The commentary team is crucial to the viewing experience for many sports fans. For the casual fan, the expertise of the panel helps to bring the more nuanced aspects to the forefront, allowing for deeper understanding and appreciation of the sport. For the diehards, they become a soundboard to confirm or refute their analysis. When it's firing on all cylinders, it enhances the action and helps to add to the endless amount of memorable moments. While more mainstream sports broadcasters are held to standards of impartiality as bias not only taints what the viewer sees, but when the winner is determined by a scoreboard, opinion on the mic doesn't matter as much. But in the clown show we call the sport of mixed martial arts, commentary can take a life of its own. A small, tight-knit community, a subjective scoring system, and an impressionable fan base make for an amazing combination when the people trusted to call the action deviate from those parameters. What's up, guys? Bailey in here. Just a quick one for you. Ridge Wallet are offering 10% off their wallets if you go to ridge.com slash MMA on point. Here, Tom, show us your wallet. If you don't want some boring old man wallet, there's over 30 different styles to choose from as well, including titanium and carbon fiber. They were kind enough to send us a few so we could get our hands on them, and I have to say the first thing I noticed is definitely the quality. They're incredibly sleek, and you can fill up to 12 cards at once without that annoying wallet bulge. Make sure you get the best offer by using our link MMA on point and save up to 10%. Is that one yours? No, well, this one's mine, actually. Take that one, then. That, take that one, I want that one. <laughs> I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and here are 10 times the commentary booth openly cheered for a fighter. Number 10, Frank Mir for Miguel Torres. You might only be familiar with Miguel Torres for his regrettable Twitter history or inconsistent UFC run, but in the WEC, the bantamweight phenom violently tore through respected vets like Chase Beeb and Takeya Mizugaki, defending the crown three times. Frank Mir proved himself to be a believer in Torres during his all-too-brief time as a color commentator for the smaller Zufa-owned organization. Before Torres would defend his belt against Manny Tapp, at WEC 37, Mir would call him the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world. Miguel Torres, what can I say? I feel that he is the best fighter in the world, pound-for-pound. Pound. And while Torres was ranked number five and six for Bleacher Report and SureDog respectively at the time, the names ahead of him show how hyperbolic the statement was. That same year, Anderson Silva unified the Pride in UFC middleweight titles, destroyed a juiced-up James Irvin at light heavyweight, and then went back down to defend his belt. George St. Pierre was firmly in his second run as the welterweight king, and Fedor had just submitted to him Silvia to push his unbeaten beaten streak up to 26. The love fest continued with speculative talk about Torres's unsanctioned underground fights during the walkout. He was fighting the underground circuit, some other unsanctioned fights well before they started keeping track of his record, which is now 34 and 1. And a bizarre conversation about his chances in a jungle knife fight. If you want to make, you know, a real life case for a guy who's rambled, you hand a knife and you send him out into the jungle. My money's on Miguel Torres. Something that was referenced again just before the second round finish. Look at the eyes on somebody. That's the same expression. I'm sure people have before they go in and stab somebody. When Torres put his belt on the line against Brian Bowles at WEC 42, Mir at least toned down the pound-for-pound -pound claim, calling the bantamweight champ number one in the USA, something the Brazilian, Canadian, and Russian diehards probably appreciated. This time, however, the very contagious Torres flu strain infected his broadcast partner Todd Harris, who seemed to give the defending champion more credit for his his upkicks than to the challenger for dropping him with strikes. I think Brian Bowles has learned his lesson about those upkicks. But both men wearing their finest Torres t-shirts while seeking autographs couldn't save him from a first-round knockout. Number 9. Will Vanders for Marcin Rosowski. While MMA is a contest between two individuals, a lot of other people are involved to get to the opening bell. That's why you hear fighters refer to their teams or use plural pronouns like us and we when talking about them standing alone against their opponent. So it's only natural that when a victory is achieved, it's caused 
for celebration for the entire crew. Will Vanders took this to the next level, though, at KSW 39. The longtime voice actor and martial artist was on the call for the action, which featured old friend and training partner Marcin Rosalski challenging Fernando Rodriguez Jr. for the heavyweight titles. We're gonna have some big knockouts tonight. We're gonna have some submissions. We may even have some... <laughs> Vanders also provided commentary for K1, where Rosalski first made his mark in combat sports. Just 16 seconds into the fight, Marcin landed a hook that slapped Rodriguez and made him the champion. It's a Now, of course, any commentator would lose it to some extent in this moment, but Vanders actually left his spot in the booth and entered the ring to celebrate alongside Rosalski. An understandably joyous occasion for friends, but still a huge departure from duty. It would have been interesting to see if his commentary turned into blatant cheerleading, but with such a quick ending, he didn't get the chance. Number 8. John Anik for DC John Anik has long secured his place among the best and most consistent voices in MMA. After parlaying his work on ESPN's lone dedicated show about the sport, into play-by-play -play duties on the crowded UFC schedule. But even the seasoned professional couldn't contain himself watching his friend and frequent partner Daniel Cormier make history. Not surprisingly, the very brief and tense fight provided not only enough action to analyze, but several opportunities for Anik to address the audience as a friend and not the voice of reason on the broadcast. And so when Cormier landed the knockout blow against Stipe Miocic, he couldn't contain his excitement any longer. The usually buttoned down and controlled reaction to spectacular events turned into shouting and celebration as Anik seemed to want nothing more than to enjoy this moment with his friend. The image of the two looking to each other through the cage in the immediate seconds after the knockout will live on as one of the most genuinely heartwarming moments in a sport void of many of them. Only the most hardened of fans didn't get a little misty-eyed watching it. Oh, you were completely unfazed? Well, fuck you then. Number 7. DC for Luke Rockhold At this point, we know the deal with Daniel Cormier. Before his fairly recent return, retirement, he had emerged as one of the regular personalities in the commentary booth, and his background of coaching has served him well as a technical analyst. Almost completely unable to turn the coach switch off in his brain, as he oftentimes becomes a factor during the fights, when his commentary has amounted to being televised corner advice, with competitors at the Apex Center having heard him in the heat of battle. Oh, and thank God for not having the crowd. Shout out to DC, I heard him tell me to uh, check, I need to figure out how to check it, so I started trying to check him in. Game changer. Now, of course, that can be at least partially blamed on the combination of the relatively quiet atmosphere of the Apex and his passionate delivery. But if any of his teammates from the American Kickboxing Academy are in the cage, he'll completely abandon all pretense of being a neutral voice on the mic. Perhaps the most obvious example took place as his friend Luke Rockhold fought Paulo Costa at UFC 278. As the sloppy yet oddly crowd-pleasing affair took place, it was clear that the former middleweight champion was exhausted and a low blow opened the window for a pause. DC and frequent partner in biased crime Joe Rogan urged Rockhold to take the full five-minute break. This is this would be great advice if DC was in his corner, but as a supposedly unbiased commentator, well, this is moving straight past cheerleading and directly into coaching territory. The break wasn't meant to be a blatant stretching of the rules to give his friend an advantage. It's meant to help him recover from being punched in the dick. Likely drowned out by the sounds of the packed arena or his own pride, Rockhold returned to the fight much sooner. If you think we're being dramatic in our assessment of the beloved DC, a host of fighters like Sean O'Malley, Justin Gaethje, and fellow champion turned commentator Dominic Cruz 
have all called him on it. Quite the departure from a man who once refused to call his teammates fights. By the way, one of those times he literally left the analyst's desk to corner Rockhold. Number six, Bill Goldberg for Bob Sapp. The link between pro wrestling and mixed martial arts is undeniable. From the often overlapping fan bases to the over-the-top personalities and the promoters who are stars in their own rights, to name a few. While that reality is overlooked or even denied in North America, Japan has fully embraced it from the beginning. So when Bob Sapp, who recently transitioned into non-scripted combat, faced his first true big test in MMA against Pride Heavyweight Champion Antonio Rodrigo Noguera, it was only natural to expand the commentary team to lean into the freak show more prominently. Enter WCW's Bill Goldberg. There was no mistaking the bias Goldberg had for his pro wrestling colleague. In fact, it was clear that his sole purpose on the broadcast was to speak for the pro wrestling fans who were tuning in to see this style versus style matchup. Very audibly just screaming and shouting during the pile driver that opened the fight, his commentary turned into a cheering section. Oh! There were moments he seemed more like a fan awestruck by the 6'5 giant who outweighed his opponent by 150 pounds. As Boss Rutten and Steven Quadros navigated through some of the technical aspects of the fight, Goldberg showed unfamiliarity with anything other than the strength and size of his future The Longest Yard co-star. Guerrero seems to be uh, not wanting to exchange punches with Bob Sapp right now. Look at the size of Sapp, would you? You could even hear the excitement leave his voice as Sapp began to gasp before Big Knock forced a tap with an arm bar. Absolutely. Number 5. Mike Goldberg for Ronda Rousey Sure, Mike Goldberg has had some questionable calls during his time, but let's be fair to the man. When it came to Ronda Rousey, nearly everyone showed their bias. By the time she was slated to face Holly Holm at UFC 193, the first female champion in the history of the company was a global star and frequent topic of conversation among those who had never bothered to care about mixed martial arts before. With talk shows, Ring Magazine, and Hollywood calling, it was all about Ronda. So as Holly Holm began picking apart Rousey to the surprise of many, Goldberg didn't quite read the writing on the wall. Takes a lot of energy to be a rock star. Well, it's, right it's, now, it's Holly's taking a lot. Face, and it's nothing to do with being a rock star. It took Rogan repeatedly emphasizing what was happening in front of them to drown out Goldie's attempts to boost the failed efforts of the champion. Rogan forcefully explaining that being a rock star had nothing to do with being punched in the face is what seemed to have stopped him going further down the river of denial. By the second round, Goldie caught up with the fight just before the inevitable happened, and a new champion was crowned. Number 4. Cage Rage for Lee Murray When Lee Murray made his one and only appearance in Cage Rage, it's no surprise that the commentary team was so clearly biased towards him. At the time, he was the rising star of the UK. Fresh off a victory in the UFC and an unofficial win over Tito Ortiz in a street fight. Not true. At all. So a vacant middleweight title win in the premier UK promotion would be a huge star-making moment and turning point for the sport in the nation. Standing across from him was pride and judo vet Anderson Silva. Not realizing that the understated Brazilian would become an eventual all-time great fighter, commentators Malcolm Martin and Rob Nutley were so hyped at the idea of their countrymen becoming a star that night that they at times either downplayed Silva's success or hyped up Murray's. Again, again with a stump. Oh, we missed. That'll hurt. Silva dropped him with a head kick in the opening seconds. Must have been a slip. I think the first kick may have just caught him off balance. I don't think it hit him as hard as we originally thought. Murray neutralized in Silva's guard and unable to get free. Great technique by Murray. Good technique by Murray and a good show of strength. Even a clear-cut first round for the Brazilian was a draw in their eyes. So, end of the first round. I've got to be honest, in terms of aggression and the way things went, possibly Silva may be a draw. 
I'd possibly go for a draw on that one. They were complimenting him on strikes that didn't land, but they at least recognized that going into the third, Lee would need a big round to walk away with a win. That big round didn't come, as Martin and Nutley faced the reality of Silva dominating on his way to a decision victory. Lee Murray is world-class when he was the number two in the world, and he'll be back. Um... He's going to be back. Number three, Joe Rogan for Randy Couture. Part of the appeal of Joe Rogan is that he isn't a classically trained broadcaster. Instead, he is a stand-up comedian that happens to be a lifelong martial artist and devoted fan of mixed martial arts before it became a job. This combination of a laid-back fan with a sense of humor and martial arts expert excited to be there has endeared him to many and added a down-to-earth environment to many UFC events. And like many in the sport, it's impossible to hide admiration for the legendary Randy Couture. And yes, it's only natural to offer in the presence of the multiple-time champion, but unlike Rogan, we're not in front of a mic live with millions of people tuning into what we do. Fanboying over Couture's upset win over Chuck Liddell for the interim light heavyweight title. I was always a Randy Couture fan, but now I'm just, I'm just blown away. That guy's amazing. Screaming into the mic to the point of distortion as Couture dropped Tim Sylvia. The examples are endless. Perhaps the most enduring instance was at UFC 44, when Couture embarrassed Tito Ortiz to win the undisputed title. As the final bell sounded, Rogan loudly declared Captain America to be his hero. Interestingly, that same declaration spawned that nickname at UFC 34 when Rogan was doing backstage interviews and not calling the action. When Couture walked to the cage draped in red, white, and blue less than a month after 9-11, Rogan dubbed him the star-spangled man with the plan and stated that he was his hero. However, he did stop short of referring to Couture's posterior as America's ass. That is America's ass. Number two, Rogan for Chuck. As the commentary team for UFC 37.5 set the stage for the approaching main event between Chuck Liddell and Vitor Belfort, it was immediately clear who Joe Rogan was supporting. Dismissing Belfort's previous KO win over Vanderlei Silva and his history of fighting bigger opponents, Rogan was all team Liddell. Vanderlei Silva moves straight back. You're not going to see that from Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell's a very smart guy, and Chuck Liddell probably has the best takedown defense in all of the UFC. Even when Vitor showed strong takedowns early, he was quick to credit the Iceman for simply existing on the ground. Back, back up! That's what I'm talking about! That's very hard to do! What he just did is very hard to do! Despite the pre-fight dismissal of Vitor's kicking abilities, a solid leg kick was dismissed as defensive because he moved after landing it. Again, you see the difference. Vitor lands a leg kick and he backs away. Chuck Liddell lands a kick, he's going forward. A solid punch lands for Chuck that Vitor eats without much reaction? Nope, Liddell is taking over the fight. Every landed strike for Belfort was a chance to praise Chuck's chin. Never seen Chuck in this kind of shape either. Look at his six-pack, he's chiseled. Rogan, who is known for his overexcitement, was in rare form showing wild devotion to Lydell, even passing off Vitor landing a head kick as a sign of fatigue. As you heard the stamping on the ground, that's when Vitor picked up his energy. That to me tells me he's tired. The truth is the fight was exciting and closely contested, but the commentary from the former Fear Factor host largely ignored it. And yes, he said Lydell for most of the fight. Number one, the UFC for Randy Couture. Let's be honest, everybody picked a side when boxing great James Tony tested the waters in mixed martial arts. The former champion, who was a defensive mastermind in the squared circle, would get his chance against another legendary champion in Randy Couture at UFC 118. The path to this fight consisted of Tony literally harassing Dana White at a press conference, press appearances 
spewing venom at everyone from Brock Lesnar, Rampage Jackson, and Frank Shamrock. Plus, by this point, he had already seen his ceiling in boxing, with a failed steroid test, age, and poor weight management forcing him out of elite competition. There was no question about who the commentary team would favor here. As he had at that stage in his boxing career, Tony showed up out of shape with the intention of relying upon his natural talent to take him the rest of the way. When juxtaposed next to Couture, the aging vet who was famous for being well-prepared and in impeccable shape, there's no way Tony would win favor with anyone, much less Rogan with his well-noted man crush on Couture. But Goldberg's simple statement, I love it, as the clearly clueless Tony was on his back getting pummeled into the canvas as the crowd chanted UFC, had to be the crowning jewel. People chanting UFC. I love this. Big love to Ant Walker for writing this one. A massive shout out to the editor of this video, the awesome George Hutchinson. The guy's a total pro, he nailed this one. Go follow him on the Bird app and Ben Rosette for those provided musics. Please show my friends the respect they deserve on their socials. Like and subscribe for more of the good shit. Tell us about some hilariously biased commentary in the comments. And how about you have yourself a great day? Thanks for watching, guys. Thank you.